second podcast i am john schofield the host joining me is chris Cervello from the class of 99 co-host and producer running old man radio and you have joined the season or at least 2023 finale of the swing second podcast bringing you the stories behind the alumni the staff the faculty the students and the constellation of satellites which is the u.s naval academy Chris Cervello, let's start it right off. Um, as we record this, it's December 18th. I am now the proud father of a 20-year-old. Colin Schofield turned 20 on uh, December 15th. Makes me feel very old. Uh, but, yeah, this is the first pod record since Boston. There's a lot to break down from Boston. Um, a lot of great stuff for the Alumni Association and Foundation up there. It was a very, very interesting time up there. But, as always... People want to talk about the score and the result. The result was not what we wanted. Very shortly thereafter, uh, Grant Chestnut has shown the door as the offensive coordinator, which I don't know. Like For as poor as that offense did, that surprised me. So amidst a very disappointing five and seven season, a loss to Air Force, a loss to Army, um, a lot of graduating seniors, a lot of injuries, and names now in the transfer portal, how do you evaluate the season and as a whole and what the outlook possibly looks like for next year with a lot of uncertainty? Well, the fact that the USS Kearney has shot more standard missiles at unmanned Houthi drones than we scored points in the Army Navy game uh, is probably says all that we need to say, right, John? Yes. Um, I, think we had, I think we had hoped for uh, more of an offense. Uh, kudos to USS Kearney, by the way. But um, thank you for your service, Graham Chestnut. Good luck in your future endeavors. I think we need to find an offensive coordinator that gels with the team and um, the type of team that we want to be. Um, in addition to losing Graham uh, Chestnut, we lost um, Ashley Ingram, cruder extraordinaire. Uh, he went on to be a head coach at a Division II school. So there's a lot of work for the football team to do between now and spring ball. Um, but if you're like me, your attention will turn to basketball and lacrosse and hopefully better days than what we saw over the last couple months uh, on the football field. Yeah, a lot to discuss and a lot to fill in. You know, Ashley Ingram here for something like 17 years. Uh, Chestnut, um, not a very common occurrence to bring in someone and then show them the door a year later. Um, I know that um, EK and Keenan and Wags have probably talked a little bit about this. I've heard the name Chris Proctor uh, bandied about um, some other names as offensive coordinator, but suffice it to say, by the time Bucknell comes a calling next September, a lot of stuff has to get fixed. A lot of identity uh, has to be established for this football team. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. Other stuff up there in Boston, the Alumni Association Foundation had two great um, hoolies, so to speak, to use the Ireland term from back in uh, August. We uh, had some tailgates at the Bar Louie Bar, as well as Citizen Crust. Great turnout of alumni. And really, for all the wanking I did about Foxborough um, under my breath as we went up there, I really thought Foxborough, Chris, put on a good show. That yeah. is a nice stadium. It's a tough little town to get to. 
parking is a mess, traffic is a mess, but it seems like all the Bostonians up there have kind of accepted that. You know, it's like everyone who goes to a Redskins game knows that it's going to be a nightmare to get to FedEx Field and a nightmare to get out and a nightmare to park and a nightmare for everything. And I'm sorry, those are the captains select of the Washington football team, uh, otherwise known as the commanders, no longer the Redskins. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a really nice occasion up there. Um, the, the game itself was you know, not as electric as you would have hoped. Um, but for you, as you officially closed the door on, on football season, you know, not so much the, the personnel stuff, but in terms of a satisfying game on Saturday, the, the ratings were through the roof. There's certainly a lot of tumult in college football with like Florida state getting left out of the playoff. And it seemed like Saturday seemed to be that sojourn, that that day of rest from all the talk and all the transfer portal and all the crap. And it was just a very, very pure football day between two service academies. That's how I viewed it, at least, except I was in Boston. How did you how was the viewing party down in Palm Coast? Uh, no, great, uh, great event. Um, I, I would agree, John. I mean, I, I was just saying as you were, you know, sort of joking about the Redskins or commanders or what, you know, whatever they may call them next year. Uh, talk about big shoes to fill for uh, the Washington, you know, football enterprise and the larger community in terms of rolling out the red carpet certainly seemed like from afar that the Kraft family, that coach Belichick, that the alumni from both schools up there, the alum- respective alumni associations really went all in. Um, you mentioned the ratings. Uh, I mean, I think the game delivered, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm still a little grumpy about the season and about the game. I'll, I'll get over it. I, I'm sure in a few weeks I'll have a much more romantic uh, view of what we accomplished up there, what you and your organization accomplished up there. So um, I, I think it was a success all around. Yeah, and and you mentioned that it's going to be a while before we're back in our favorite spot in Philly, Chris Cervello, uh, next year in Washington, after that in Baltimore, then back up at MetLife outside of New York city before returning to uh, Philly. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's close the door on army Navy. Let's close the door on that uh, season. I would say from a sports standpoint, you know, the, the volleyball team uh, came up big at the end. The swimmers came up big at the end, but in terms of stars and in terms of everything, it really seemed to be a very um, not disappointing fall season, but a very quiet fall season. You know, there wasn't really much to get too crazy about. Um, you know, again, amazing, amazing year for rugby. This is actually a rugby school, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we all know that the female swimmers never lose to Army. But overall, uh, the Army-Navy game was an unfortunate bookend to a tough fall season. And we'll see what the winter and spring hold for us there. We'll talk a lot about what's coming up in the spring and summer uh, for the Alumni Association and Foundation, you know, what our future looks like uh, with Jeff Webb in our exclusive interview with him at the end of this podcast. But first things first, it is time for our favorite segment, which is our alumni business profile. This week's alumni business profile is with class of 2000 grad and realtor extraordinaire, the leader of the Shrek Realty and Team. Um, as part of Berkshire Hathaway here in Annapolis, Scott Shooter, class of 2000. Without any further ado, here's our interview with Scott Shooter from class of 2000. All right, we are back on the Sing Second Podcast with personal friend, friend of the pod, and class of 2000 alum, Scott Shooter. 
if you're an Annapolis resident, you see the signs all over town. In fact, one of my staff just said it like, hey, you're Shrek. I see your signs everywhere. And sure enough, he is here to join us today, Scott Shooter, uh, for our business uh, spotlight. Scott, if you can, I mean, you've already done it on the Sing Second Sports podcast before, but introduce people to who Scott Shooter was as a midshipman and who you are now. So as a midshipman, I came in as the old guy. I, was, uh, I did college for a bit, and then I was enlisted for a bit, and then uh, showed up as a 21-year-old plebe, and then uh, played rugby all four years at the academy, and graduated and went on to be an E2C NFO. Uh, came back here to teach leadership at the academy, second class leadership, from 05 to 08, and that's when we settled in and decided not to move and my wife told me to get into real estate i told her i thought i was gonna hate it and here we are about 17 years later <laughs> so what makes you you know as as people are trying to start businesses out there or hear about successful alums in the business world what makes you a good realtor you know what what was your secret sauce to break in uh, was it patience? Was it personality and charisma? Was it, you know, the training that comes with being certified as a realtor? How did it all come together for you and what is your strongest part? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I have, you know, young realtors come to me and ask that question. I have people that are thinking about getting into the business that ask that question. Um, and I think step one, um, I'll, I'm going to throw his name out there, Billy Hurley, a good friend of mine. Yeah. We joked that the Naval Academy could be renamed Time Management University. <laughs> um, so I think that is one strength that you naturally come away from the Academy, not even realize that you've garnered that, is just being able to manage your time and also weed out all of the, the BS. And it's like focus on what needs to be focused on. Um, I call it the closest alligator to the boat. Like yeah. don't pay attention to the 20 alligators, just the one that's closest to the boat. That's the only one you need to be concerned about right now. And you just, you know, I really methodically go through my day um, in that way. And I think, you know, if you talk to any successful business person, I have a ton of, you know, successful classmates that are, are doing a ton of really cool things. It's really not being afraid to grind. And it really comes down to that. There is no magic pill. There is no easy sauce. It's just being, you know, being willing to do the grind and do the work that needs to be done and consistently do that again and again and again. Um, because it's, you know, people are like, oh, I like houses. I like people. I'll get into real estate. It's like, okay, great. Like, can you actually run a business? And that's what people don't necessarily see on the real estate side is it is a small business that you are running. It is not just, you know, interacting with people and showing houses. So, yeah, it's so funny you say that because our alumni business spotlight last week with Kristen Kronick, you know, who is a, a painter and an artist down in Jacksonville, she said the very same thing that, you know, it's applying hard work. It's being creative and it's being immersed in the here and the now, but it's also working hard in the here and the now. Um, so I think that's very good advice. Who do you find inspiration from as a leader? So part and parcel of being a realtor um, you have to have the ability to problem solve and communicate and lead. And I know that you've had plenty of exposure to that. The Naval Academy, plenty of exposure to that. 
um, as an officer and now as a realtor, who, who do you always you know, go to in terms of you know, inspirational leadership, whether in athletics or otherwise? You know, a lot of people are Simon Sinek, start with why people. You know, how do you find inspiration to be successful in what you're doing? Um, my family is my main motivation for my drive to be successful. Um, they are really the, the batteries that, that run the motor, um, wanting to do well for them. But looking towards leadership, it really all started with Art Athens. Yeah. I mean, it really did. <laughs> I, was, I, I consider myself lucky every single day that I had an office next to him when I was teaching leadership at the Naval Academy. And, and he was really the launch pad for me to have the confidence to let go of the security blanket of the military. And, you know, I mean, it was 2007, 2008. Like there weren't a lot of people saying, hey, this looks like a great time to get into real estate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's when I got out of the military and let go of everything that was secure and, you know, decided to do it. And, um, he was, he was a huge influence on my life. He gave me book after book to read and um, not only how to be a successful business person, but how to be a successful dad and a friend. And I think, honestly, through my close friends, you being one included, and, you know, I take a little bit from all of my friends and what yeah. they're doing in their lives and, and how they approach their lives and it's not necessarily one person that I reach out to. It's just taking the strengths from each of them and trying to emulate them on a daily basis. And incredibly good points there. And Art Athens for everyone's information. If you walk into main office and you look up at that list of old brigade commanders, 1979, uh, Art Athens' name is there, a Marine, father of an amazing quarterback at Towson uh, University. I think it was Towson where Art's kid played. But, you know, kind of the... You know, the, the main voice of the Stockdale Center and leadership ethics and law for the longest time here and really started what we're going to be talking about here in the near future in 2024, which is the idea of a leadership institute at the Naval Academy. Those building blocks were certainly uh, put in place in large measure due to, to Art Athens. So, you know, Scott, you mentioned it as we wrap this up. Alums are out there wondering about the real estate market. Rates used to be at 3%. Now rates are at 7%. For all the alumni out there who need a fellow alumni calming voice about this real estate market, how do you evaluate it and what advice would you give them? I would evaluate it as this, is that it's very local. Um, and so getting nationwide real estate news is like getting nationwide weather reports. <laughs> so, you know, always reach out to the local expert. I'm not going to tell you what it's like in D.C. I'm going to tell you what it's like in Annapolis. And in Annapolis, we're, you know, we're pretty insulated. Uh, we, there's, there's not a lot of land left. There's not a, a lot of places to expand and grow. It's not like Atlanta where, you know, you just keep building suburbs further and further from Atlanta. There's just no place to go. We're surrounded by Chesapeake Bay, DC, Baltimore. So I always like to say we're forced to make it nice again. So like we have, you know, these 1970s split foyers that like, okay, we're going to make that nice again. We're going to make, we're going to continue to make these neighborhoods nice. And I think that's what's really freaking cool about Annapolis. Yeah. Um, so the market here has been really good and really steady. Um, there are less transactions happening and that's just due to the fact of the interest rates. There's just 
less people making that convenience move, what I would call it, the lateral move. Yeah. They're not going to move from neighborhood A in Annapolis to neighborhood B in Annapolis at a similar price point just because it's a little bit cooler or a little bit nicer. Yeah. You're going to be making a major move. You're moving up. You're moving down. You're moving for work. You're, you know, those Kids moves, are out of the house. those moves are still happening, but it's going to take a lot to get people off of their 3% interest rate house that they're sitting in and decide to move into and you know they're down in the sixes now so it's less of a jump so we'll start seeing some influx of inventory coming in the spring if i were to have my crystal ball but that's the overall sense of it is that values are right where they are inventory is still down demand is down but demand is still higher than the inventory so we're still seeing a very competitive market for for the the houses that come up that that are done well and priced well All right. Well, if uh, you're an alumni out there and you're PCSing to the Annapolis area, uh, Scott, how can people get a hold of you? Um, You know, where's your information and uh, how can they get a hold of the best realtor in Annapolis? You can Google Shrek Annapolis and I'll pop up. But um, I'm always in the back of Shipmate. Um, Website is scottshooter.com. Last name is S-C-H-U-E-T-T-E-R. And I am not hard to find. God has blessed me with a big old head and I'm, I'm not, I'm not hard to track down. And I, uh, I absolutely love working with alumni. Um, I love all my clients, honestly. Um, I'm blessed to live in a good area and be surrounded by a lot of wonderful people that have helped me build this business. Well, on top of being a great realtor, a great friend, a very good golfer. We'll see how that's on display in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. You just lost all credibility. <laughs> uh, but um, obviously a great alum. So this has been your 10-minute quick alumni business focus. Uh, we will see you in 2024 with new alumni stories of success in the business world. Scott, thank you so much for joining the pod. Awesome. Dude. Thanks, right. John. Appreciate it. We're out. All right, great conversation with Scott. Awesome on the golf course, awesome as a realtor. If you are PCSing to the Annapolis area or PCSing out of the Annapolis area, always consider using Scott Shooter. Shrek is a friend of the pod, friend of the Naval Academy, overall great dude, and we thank him for joining us. All right, we promised it and we're delivering it. Here's Jeff Webb's interview, uh, 30 minutes of conversation about what we've accomplished in the last year, and that's a lot from going to Ireland and opening a building uh, cutting the ribbon on this thing and then going up to Boston for the first time ever for the Army-Navy game amidst all sorts of engagement and communications and support throughout. Uh, 2023 has been a very monumental year for us. He's going to give us some uh, some looks at that, talk a little bit about uh, you know the incoming soup, uh, Rear Admiral, soon-to-be Vice Admiral Yvette Davids. Uh, Chris Cervello and I will talk a little bit more about that in the out, but here is our conversation with Jeff Webb. Jeff, as we sit here today, and we're recording this on December 14th, uh, we're looking at the year in review and we're looking ahead to 2024, but the fact that we're sitting in the Flugel Alumni Center is where I want to start. Right in the middle of 2023 in the summer, uh, this organization moved into the Flugel Alumni Center. We cut the ribbon in early September. Let's start the interview off like this. Uh, First of all, thank you for being on the pod, but secondly... Talk to me about what it feels like that you're about to host the Alumni Association of Foundation holiday party in this building in its first year of existence. Go ahead. Well, if you go back a year 
and to think about what we were working on a year ago as far as planning for this place and getting ready for the move. It's just satisfying to be here and be operating in this place and to have, have all these events under our belt already, dozens of different type of alumni events and just different types of engagements. So I, I would say it's very satisfying to see where we've come from. You know, a year ago, we were stressing out about furniture and supply chain and getting certain key items for this project on site so that they could finish the building and navigate all that, and here we are. And here we are, and it's a building that allows us to take a 106-person enterprise that were spread to the sticks a little bit in five different buildings and co-locate them in an area that has state-of-the-art technology, meeting spaces, the blue and gold bar is certainly, you know, an improvement over what we had before, but we're not turning our back on history, we're embracing it. But, you know, this building in the last two to three weeks, just last night, a company had a Christmas party uh, down in the blue and gold bar, a couple of weddings, our holiday party today. But then throughout the, uh, the football season, which we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, there were open houses and opportunities for alums to come in and experience what this building is. If you're an alum out there listening to this pod, what is great about this building? You know, what, what, what can it offer, you know, uh, across the compendium of capabilities? The fun part is seeing people come in here for the very first time, and they are just blown away. And what's blowing them away? I think the grand lobby that we have when they walk in, beautiful lobby, they see the Naval Academy crest embedded in the floor. They see the stairs that remind them of Memorial Hall. They see Don't Give Up the Ship on the second deck above our bridge. They turn to the left and they see the plank owner wall and the 1,050 alumni who contributed to it. And they're just blown away. It's, it's beautiful, it's majestic, it's historic, it ties us to the Naval Academy. And you bring up the Naval Academy, and that is a great segue into a year of change at the Naval Academy as well. Um, as we record this, you know, the NDAA was passed last night. Last week or the week before, uh, Senator Tuberville lists the, uh, the congressional holds and the nominees, which means that Admiral Kacher, who was the acting soup, is now going to be leaving, and Admiral Davids uh, from the great class of 89 will arrive here in the near future. Give me a moment, because I know we've had plenty of opportunities to laud Fred Kacher uh, for what he did to come in here in lieu of going to 7th Fleet. Give me, a, give me a little bit on what it's been like to work with the acting soup over the last four to five months. It's been a lot of fun, and I think anyone who's interacted with him will have great confidence in the future of our Navy. He's heading to 7th Fleet, leading an important fleet command. But for him to have this stopover here in Annapolis, just gave us a glimpse into one of our key Navy leaders. He did a phenomenal job while he was here. It would have been very easy for him to just sort of lay back and conduct the business of the Naval Academy quietly and just keep the seat warm for Admiral Davids. But he, he didn't do that. He jumped in. He, he showed up to all of our events enthusiastically. Um, he was prepared for everything. He was making decisions for the Naval Academy. He was running this place like any superintendent would, and he made a great impression with all those who didn't know him, and I know I really enjoyed spending time with him and Pam, and I'm excited to see what he does out in 7th Fleet, and we're excited for Admiral Davids to come in in a couple months. 
a yeah, couple so, weeks, I should say. So you mentioned Admiral Davids and in a couple of weeks. So suffice it to say, by the time we get into the throes of 2024, the Naval Academy will have its first ever female superintendent. What does that mean to you as a grad, not only as a graduate from the class of 95, but also as the CEO and president of the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation? I know that some people want to downplay it. Some people want to overly celebrate it. But from your perspective, both on a corporate level and a grad level, you know, how, how impactful is this, is this personnel move? I mean, it's hugely impactful, obviously. I'm married to a female graduate, and you know, I think we're all excited to see the very first woman here as superintendent of the Naval Academy. How could you not be excited? Like, the time has come. At the same time, She's a phenomenal naval officer. I know we're getting a terrific three-star who's going to do great things for the Naval Academy and move this institution forward. 2023 was significantly important, mainly on an administrative side, in that you set, along with the Naval Academy, who has Strategic Plan 2030. Talk to me a little bit about how proud you are of our Strategic Plan 2030 and where we are going. We have talked a little bit, particularly at the early stages of the podcast, about our efforts to connect, communicate, support, and anchor ourselves to the alumni out there. How would you grade? Actually, for those who don't necessarily know the strategic plan, give a small little primer of what it is and what it hopes to accomplish, and then grade yourself. Where are you at the, you know, not the midway point, but at the end of 2023, what do you hope to accomplish with it in 24? Well, every decade or so, the Alumni Association develops a strategic plan that sets their priorities, lays out what they, what we want to be. So we went through that process over the last year. And it was led by Jim Schwab, class of 1988, class president and trustee of the Alumni Association. What did we do with it? We set a new mission for the Alumni Association, which is if anyone has ever worked on a mission statement for an organization <laughs> that they don't just own and get to dictate where you have a lot of stakeholders and ideas, that that was to me a terrific accomplishment and that mission is we strengthen our members bonds to the academy and each other to help them thrive as leaders in and out of uniform and reach their full potential i think i got that i didn't read that uh, on, no. that's from memory i that, think i'm close like re-enlisting one of your sailors you <laughs> right got it memorized. right you got we, it. We, we can go back and check me later but that or something <laughs> very close to that is our new mission and we set out we, we came up with a few dozen priorities, things we know are important to do a better job for our alumni. And those couple dozen priorities we organized into those four strategic initiatives that you mentioned. Connect, communicate, support, and anchor. Listen, plans are great. We, we have a wonderful plan that makes a whole lot of sense, but it all comes down to the execution. So in my mind, we could have an average plan with exceptional execution and make a real difference for our alumni. I happen to think we have a terrific plan, and now it's all about the execution. I'm happy with how we've started. We're working against those strategic initiatives and those priorities already and making progress, but in, there's no possible way we could declare victory on this. You know, Victory will, will be in the, the long-term performance and execution of what we've set out, but it's a great plan. And, and daily victories, we see them every day here in the Flugel Alumni Center. For example, and I'm not making this up, as I'm walking up here um, to conduct this interview, I'm walking right by Mike Lowe, 
who runs our uh, alumni support services, and he's doing a one-on-one -on -one counseling with a grad over Zoom. Um, so I, I'm not saying that any particular pillar of Connect, Communicate, Support, and Anchor is more important, you know, but our, our, our Connect and Support functions really seem to be at the root of what at least gives me satisfaction working at the Alumni Association and Foundation to, to deliver that goodness to the grad, vice the thought in the grad's head that all the Alumni Association and Foundation is doing is shaking the tin can and asking you for a check. It's actually completely opposite. And I think it's most resonant as codified in the strategic plan in what we're doing to support alumni career right. services through SAC, through one-on-one -on -one counseling, through connecting people to VA benefits a little bit better, to connecting them with job openings. So, you know, I, I know that you have about 25 different things that you could talk about in and around the strategic plan, but those connect and support functions, how special are those to you? Well, they're the core of, of what we do. Um, I mean, communicates another key one, obviously, but connecting, that's about how do we facilitate alumni organizing in the ways in which they would like to get together, whether it's classes, chapters, parents club, shared interest group. We are helping those groups be better so that they can better connect our community. That's the key part of Connect, where support, how do we remain relevant and helpful to alumni all throughout their lives? SAC, you mentioned, Service Academy Career Conference. That is a smashing success for us. It's a great program. I've heard so many stories in the last year and a half since I've been here. I think um, celebrating their 30th anniversary yeah, this year. We're, yeah. yeah, next year will be the 30th year of it. Now we've had people that had full careers that began at SAC as they were exiting the military, typically. So that's going great. But we know there are other points in time, other transition points, other seasons of life where we also need to help people more than we're doing now. And I like to credit, I'll give you an example. Mitch Henderson, class yeah. of 65. Yep. He, on his own, launched a, a very helpful health initiative among his classmates. He's been talking about it with us. We've been trying to figure out how do we bring this to a wider audience? How do we help you bring this beyond your class? How, how can we support this? while letting you administer it, run it, in the way that makes the most sense for what you are trying to accomplish. And he's been great about collaborating with us on that. So that's the kind of thing where we're using the demand signal. People come to us and they say, can you help me with us with this? Have you considered this? And we take that all in. We can't do it all. Um, we've got to sequence some things, prioritize some things. Um, but we, we've got this grounding, though, in the, in the plan and, and the priorities that help us order those ideas. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to do a quick pivot, and a lot of the support and a lot of the connection out there took place over the past four months, which was football season, and that's a hard season to kind of briefly encapsulate, but you, know, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording that in this football season was the first you know, trip to Ireland. Well, the third ever, but the first for us, also the first ever trip for the Army-Navy game to Boston. Um, you know, and then connections along the way, the, the incredible parents club and chapter uh, collaboration in Charlotte, uh, what we saw in Philly for a typically, you know, ill attended game outside of the link for Temple, you know, between the Travis Manning Foundation and the Philly chapter, uh, Rob Bender, all those guys, you know, it has been an incredible football season for you. 
How, how do you summarize what you saw from you know that very first Hooli in Ireland to you know the incredibly painful travel back from Boston? <laughs> you know the the bookends are significant, but in the middle was incredible engagement with the alumni out there. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't think I attended a single away football game as an alumni until I came here. Yeah. And I was missing out. I would have traveled to more games or to, to any game yeah. had I known what a great environment it is. I didn't know that these gatherings were going on, that um, our parents' clubs were so strong and then our chapters were so enthusiastic and in many cases they're, they're working together. So I, I think what I've learned is that we've just got power um, everywhere with our network and with the enthusiasm. And whether it's 50 people together or whether it's 500 people together and we've seen it all, you just got a great spirit and camaraderie amongst our alums and, and parents and people who just like being around Naval Academy people. And that spirit translates often into philanthropy. And I think we saw that. Uh, up in Boston. So we'll, we'll make news a little bit here. I know that you announced it up there when you were uh, talking to the assembled guests for the CEO reception. But when you were in Boston, a major gift came in, you know, that that's kind of mind blowing for me. Um, and it's the power of philanthropy that that always impresses me with our alums. But it, what can you share about this latest gift that the Alumni Association and Foundation received? Yeah, one thing that we see on the horizon is establishing new funding models and new support models for the Naval Academy. Among those models is the idea of establishing endowments for certain areas. Well, we have a great one um, that will lead us down this road, and that is the endowing of the math department and the math chair by a gentleman named Bill Davis from the class of 1968. He's already been involved with the math department supporting the the chair position there. He feels very passionately that when we're raising funds to support the Naval Academy, especially in something technical like math, we're not out there competing against Harvard or other higher ed institutions. We're competing against China. You know, that is why we need these technical skills for when our graduates are, are out there in the fleet and Marine Corps. And he feels so passionately that he has put his money where his mouth is to ensure that the math department has dedicated support indefinitely through the, the gift that he is committed to. I, the, the idea of an indefinite gift is something that's so foreign to me. That's, that's incredible. And, and the, the health of the math department is certainly the, the benefactor of that. Are, are there any details with regard to like dollar amounts? I mean, it really doesn't matter. The endowing of, of the math chair, to your point, is an incredible start of a trend that could lead to other forms of philanthropy in so many departments at the Naval Academy. Right. Yeah, we're, we're not ready to, to put all the details out yeah. there, but it's among the largest gifts the Naval Academy has ever received. Oh, so no. that's notable. And people might say, well, why do you need philanthropy for the math department? Don't we already have a math department? Doesn't the government pay for the math department? <laughs> and they do. Yeah. Uh, but just like so many areas at the Naval Academy, if you want the extras, it takes philanthropy. If, if you want your um, professors to have funding in the summer to, to fund them to do research and, and take trips, they get paid 10 months a year. So if you want to augment that and help them um, 
again, do important work during those other two months, that can come from philanthropy. Attending conferences, um, that can come from philanthropy. Recruiting top talent, that sometimes you know, we, we want to, the Naval Academy wants to create a new position. Philanthropy can take the lead on that, and over time that might get worked into the budget. Uh, so there are tremendous needs out there. People like Bill Davis identify that and yeah. are, are willing to step in in big ways to help. What I love, and you know I'm a huge physical mission guy, um, as evidenced by my uh, dedication to uh, working out and everything like that. That's a joke. But, you know, for, for the power of philanthropy helping the academic mission, you know, or the mental mission at the U.S. Naval Academy, we can't forget, and we're still kind of on the back end of football season, what the power of philanthropy has done for the physical mission. You know, the athletic and scholarship programs here. This past year, you also brought in a brand new chairman of ANSP, um, Admiral Lynch, after years and years of service, but also delivery of so much, um, you know, philanthropy and effort in order to support the Naval Academy physical mission. Um, now Admiral Moran comes in, he's the new chairman. You know, what, what thoughts do you have on the impact that athletic and scholarship programs have had on the entirety of the physical mission? You, I don't know, won a rugby national title. You know, right. kind of a small thing that happened in the year in review, but I, I, I hazard to say that I don't know if that national title happens without people like Chris Cleary and Chris Hoffman and Dan Quattrini and people who support athletics through ANSP. What are your thoughts on that? Because the physical mission, although we're having a tough time in the Star Series so far this year, has been like on a terribly big, up not terribly big, but a really nice upward trend. Right. Well, for those who don't know, we have 250 mostly alumni, a few non-alumni, who are part of athletic and scholarship programs. And they are all making a financial commitment to support this. And their commitment is supporting athletic excellence at the Naval Academy. And also they are, are supporting uh, scholarship programs. So 40 or so midshipmen each year are coming from foundation schools where they'll have done a year of prep school after high school prior to coming to the Naval Academy. And we are referred those students from the admissions department through the application process. So we've got a lot of reach. I mean, that 40s, a very sizable number of mids who are benefiting from this. And we're supporting millions of dollars towards the Athletic Excellence Fund, which supports the athletic mission at the Naval Academy. There are other ways that athletics is getting supported through individual sport support, through capital programs or uh, you know, things like stadium renovations, which we'll be seeing in the near future. Uh, but a, a core area is this athletic excellence, which gives the athletic director and, and his staff flexibility in enhancing uh, the experience for midshipmen and the facilities and the programs and everything that they need to compete successfully. And if you, the listeners, didn't read uh, any of Aiden Day's uh, you know, blogs this past year, we'll uh, post them a little bit more. But Aiden Day is an example. He was an athletic and scholarship program student. He went to the Hill School in Philly, uh, water polo recruit, uh, comes in here after a year at the Hill School. And I know, Jeff, that you appreciate the water polo storyline there. But has an amazing year, scored nine goals in a game. Um, you know, I don't know if they've announced the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo uh, Awards yet, but certainly should be in the running for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, the, these 
these type of impacts are hard to measure, you know, but just here, one plebe had an amazing year and has said in the first person, I was not ready academically until that foundation school came in. So between NAPS and foundation schools and the regular talent that's coming in from high school, I would say as we swivel the conversation to 2024, that the Naval Academy is in good hands. It is. And you see time and time again, the impact that these sports are having on the midshipmen and their development. They are going to go from the field of play potentially to the field of battle and the lessons they're learning on the field, in the pool, on the track, on the scrum. Those team lessons that the commitment, the perseverance, the hard work, the working through pain and discomfort, just the all-out commitment it requires to be successful at the Division I level. That is going to serve them well heading into the fleet and the Marine Corps, and that is the point of all of it, not just to have a great football team, which we want to have. We want to go steamroll everybody and beat Army every year and go to a bowl game, but we all understand, the coaches all understand what is really the objective here. So as I previewed a little bit, and we only have a couple of minutes left, I previewed a little bit 2024 um, you know, also happening in 2024, we'll have our distinguished graduate uh, ceremony. And just this past uh, week, we announced those four distinguished graduates, Admiral Blair, Admiral Locklear, John Young, and Jerry Miller. Um, what other things are on the horizon for you uh, in terms of events and milestones in 2024? I know that we're going to continue uh, to execute the strategic plan. But what's kind of front lobe for you in terms of, you know, what this organization is going to be doing? As I mentioned before, we've done all this planning. It really is execution. We've got a new superintendent coming in, we expect, in January. And just getting, getting to know her and if she gets familiar with what's going on here, I know she's somewhat familiar, but she's going to be very familiar in short order here and begin to set her priorities. Many of them won't be a surprise to us, but there might be some some different things that she prioritizes or, or needs support with. So um, helping as it relates to us, helping her understand how we can support her in the Naval Academy is highly important as she's working on all the other things related to learning her job and running the Naval Academy. We're just gonna be there when she needs us to get her up to speed on us so that we can support her and her team. To me, that's the biggest priority along with executing on all the plans that we've set. One of those plans that you set will eventually be probably a new campaign. Um, so we talked about philanthropy a little bit before. You know, what, what sort of appetizer do you want to give the listening audience out there about what this campaign may be? Because I know it's no secret you know, what we have been focused on at this institution, you know, from way back before I was teaching leadership in Loose Hall in 2000, is the idea of, of the Naval Academy being the epicenter of leadership. Um, you know, you call, you know, the Alumni Association and Foundation the nerve center of the alumni community. I would say the nerve center of the Naval Academy's existence is the idea of leaders. Right. Leaders that make a difference. Leaders of character and consequence. What do you want to kind of appetize in terms of the campaign in the next in the next year? How are we going to progress on that? And when should alums kind of see us actively going out and executing the yeah. campaign? Well, it'd be premature to talk about the campaign. What I will say is there's ongoing support to the Naval Academy year in, year out, where our donors step up to support important programs of the Naval Academy. 
international programs, for example. Yeah. Roughly 400 midshipmen each year get some type of international, international experience. That is 100% funded by philanthropy, and it's year to year. We, we need to raise the money. Our donors need to step up to continue that. So much of what's happening at the foundation, you know, we talked about athletic excellence would be another yeah. example of that. That's happening year in and year out. But we do work closely with the Naval Academy and NAAA on roughly a once a decade basis to do more detailed planning and to set bigger objectives that could involve uh, big capital projects like the Flugel Alumni Center was part of the last campaign. So we are in that planning process right now. I can tell you that an important theme that is emerging through this planning is leadership. So like we talked about on the sports field, you, know, you see it in academics as well, all throughout the Naval Academy, leadership development is fundamental to all the different programs, all the things that our donors supporting, are supporting all the things the Naval Academy is doing. Leadership is central to that. Uh, so I could tell you that in the planning mode that we're in right now, there's a heavy emphasis on the role that leadership development plays. This is going to be an exciting year, I know it, and anything that involves leadership is going to be a fun uh, project for us. Speaking of great leaders, um, as we start to go out, you know, 2023 is often uh, played on TV with in-memoriam sets. You know, as we, as we leave 2023, we lost Snuffy Smith, uh, former chairman of the Board of uh, Trustees. We also lost Rosalind Carter, uh, the wife of President Jimmy Carter, and we all know that President Carter is in hospice. Um, it really brings to mind, you know, the fragility of life, and, and this is where I'll give you the, the last word. We talked a little bit before we started recording about, you know, while we're sitting here executing the strategic plan and trying to do everything that we can do to support the alumni out there, those very alumni that we support are in harm's way. They're in the Red Sea. They're in the Fifth Fleet AOR. Like Fred Kacher, about to get on a plane to the Seventh Fleet, AO, Seventh Fleet AOR and take on China. You know, as as we go out, Jeff. You know what 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 do those what do those elements mean to you? Like, how does it ground you, knowing that as we celebrate the holiday season here, supporting alumni, those alumni we support are out there for deployed. It's the reason we're here. It's the reason I wanted to be here at the Alumni Association and Foundation. You know, I think a lot about my classmates who I've lost and what they were doing, um, serving in harm's way. They, they motivate me constantly. And in that same spirit, I think a lot about our alumni out there on the front lines. I think about the midshipmen here who are preparing for that, who are, are raising their hand again and again saying, send me. And that's the purpose of our existence, to, to support the Naval Academy, to make all of them better, those MIDs, and to support our alumni out there. Well, with those MIDs and those alumni saying, send me, we at the Alumni Association and Foundation are saying, send us. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for the time. This has been an enjoyable 30 minutes. The very happiest of holidays to you and Shannon and the kids. Um, as we go out, I know that you had to make the trek up to the Holy Land to bring your daughter back <laughs> from Penn State. Without incident, it went fine? No problems. I have a, a college sophomore, and I found that the best time to connect with your child is driving with them. So I did not hesitate when she said, you know, Dad, rather than me take the bus, uh, would you come pick me up? And I did. So, yeah, wow. we're set for some, some great holidays together. Well, I'm doing that up to Temple University tomorrow, so uh, I hope to have the same great conversation. 
What an amazing talk with Jeff Webb. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Chris Ravello and I are going to take this out. This is Think Second. All right, Chris, we're back. Great combo with Jeff. Great combo with Scott Shooter. Um, and let's take this out. I think we, uh, I think Jeff teed it up for us, and this is how I'd like to end 2023 by finally getting to acknowledge that amidst all of the work that they did on the Hill to to kind of undo Tommy Tuberville's congressional holds, we are finally in a place where we are about to welcome the first female superintendent of the U.S. Naval Academy, Rear Admiral Yvette Davids. Right now, as we speak, it looks like probably second week of January for that change of command, uh, which will give like the brigade a chance to reform. They come back and their first day of classes, I believe, is on the 9th. Uh, so uh, we expect sometime in that week, maybe at the end of that week, that we'll have the uh, change of command and the acting superintendent, Fred Kasher, uh, will pass the baton over to the first female superintendent. Chris, from your perspective, I know that Jeff talked a little bit about it, and, and we made note that the person out there who cares the very least about the fact that they are the first female superintendent is Yvette Davids. As a warfighter, um, as a surface warfare officer, um, you know, as a career staff officer, leader, carrier strike group commander, she cares very little in terms of my experience with her about milestones, and she cares about the mission. I would say that as she comes aboard here in 2024, it'll be less for us about how, how grand, you know, this first of is in terms of the first ever female superintendent, and it will be what's next. How do we make two Rhodes Scholars next year? How do we get middle states accreditation? How do we beat Army? You know, as a graduate, what is your thought about what the new superintendent, what do you want her to deliver to you uh, in 2024? Well, before I answer that, I mean, and that's a great question. I, I do want to take a, um, a swing at the, um, you know, diversity uh, illusion. I think it's great that um, women that want to go to the Naval Academy, that go to the Naval Academy, that have gone to the Naval Academy, can now look to somebody that has been there and done that in Yvette Davids. And I think that's very important, right? I mean, but what I like about Yvette Davids is, is that there are so many different types of people that can now look at her and say, but, you know, like she is a mentor, she is a role model. So certainly an important um, role model for women, certainly an important role model for Hispanic Americans, uh, for surface warfare officers, for people that have a sense of humor and a big smile. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of like things that she falls into and that that's what I really like uh, about her. Um, what do I want to see from her? I, I mean, I, I want to see her continue to turn the Naval Academy into a world-class academic, but also warfighting institution. Um, and I think that, you know, morally, mentally, physically, that that is the, you know, the fulcrum in which the Naval Academy balances on. But I mean, it, it doesn't take very far to get into the newspaper before we see um, our shipmates, uh, our, um, you know, alumni deployed around the world, no shit in harm's way, right? We kind of talk about that, but they are no shit in harm's way. And I think she has to, as somebody that's been there and done that, I think she has to instill that into the midshipmen. Um, it is very easy today to get lost in the academic uh, benefits and va uh, values of the Naval Academy. I really hope that she instills that warfighting ethos in them, continues the Slapshot Carter, the Sean Buck, um, you know, progress that has been made along that front. And I have no doubt that she will do that. 
It does make a. It does make you feel a tad bit old when the superintendents are now routinely the ones that you used to work with back when you were a junior officer. Um, we are. Yeah, we now have. <laughs> yeah, we have three in a row now. We have Sean Buck. Uh, well, shoot, you, you and Slapshot were were on the same carrier when he was just an XO, but. But yeah, yeah, you and I had the had the benefit of being with Sean Buck, um, you know, when when we were at Chinfo, and, and obviously having worked with uh, Fred Kacher and Yvette Davids when they were both at N three and five. I I do know that the that the future of the Naval Academy is in good hands, and it will start off quick, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get back from Christmas break, from the holiday season, and it'll go right into. You know, accomplishing the mission of supporting the Naval Academy and and uh, and the Brigade of Midshipmen. You know, the the early months of 2024 will be marked by service assignment dinners, ship selection night on February 1st, and a bunch of other great things. But just know, ladies and gentlemen, as the Alumni Association and Foundation, in the future, we're going to really start, you know, unwrapping our next campaign. As Jeff was saying in his interview. You know, try to find some new and innovative ways to go out and connect with our uh, with our alumni out there. We have some great roadshows in January, going to Northern California and the Monterey Peninsula. In February, uh, going down to Miami, Palm Beach, Orlando, Jacks, maybe even going into uh, Palm Coast, Florida, Chris Cervello. Uh, March in the New Jersey and New York area. April in the Midwest, Minneapolis, Chicago, Green Bay, uh, and much Many, many more places uh, to come in 2024. Um, as we said when we started this pod back up, less is the sports pod, more now is the Alumni Association and Foundation pod. The idea is for us to go out and meet you where you are. This podcast does it virtually, giving you the stories of people like Scott Shooter, giving you the leadership perspective of Jeff Webb, but it really doesn't do much good unless we go out and actually shake your hand, look you in the eye, and see you where your chapters are and your parents' clubs are. Thank you so much for a year of, of philanthropy, of giving, of support, and of being amazing, amazing alumni of the U.S. Naval Academy. For Chris Cervello, Jeff Webb, Scott Shooter, and all of the fans and sponsors out there, including our friends at ProMD Health and Scott Melamed, I am John Schofield. Thank you for listening to the pod in 2023. We'll see you right around the 10th or 11th of January in 2024. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. We're out. 